Yeah. Then we could ditch Skype I'm, for I'm, good. I'm going to guess it's not that easy to do, or else they probably would have done it. Well, if Microsoft buys them, maybe they can combine Skype and Discord. And, and break both of them. Awesome. Break, yeah. <sighs> for $10 billion. Okay, let's talk about... Let me write down some notes. Welcome to Player 2 Pixelcast episode 56. I'm your host, Ken, and today we're going to be talking about games that redeem themselves, uh, games that come out with a, lack, a, a lackluster beta or early access, but somehow find themselves able to, well, position themselves, fix themselves, do whatever it needs to do to come out with a half-decent product near the end. But um, before we get into that, we've got, we'll talk about the games we've played, we've been playing, and joining me on this episode today is Timmy Boy. Oh, we are keeping those names. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, and Hudo. Hudo. <laughs> I don't know where Hudo comes from. <laughs> yeah, Timmy Boy, at least I can kind of see a connection. Hudo yeah. is just... I don't know. Yeah. I just made I just made some shit up. <laughs> uh, I know. If I haven't uh, said so at the start of the show, I'm your host Ken Lee, and yeah, we're gonna get into this. We're gonna keep this, you know, as uh, as is always the case when I'm the host, lead chair, chairperson, whatever it is, lead panelist, is that we keep it, you know, light and easy. I'm prepared and very, very hard segues. <laughs> <laughs> just say though, you were very brave making fun of people's names, dude. Like you were, you were wide open from so many angles. A one yeah, very I know. specific like, angle, but <laughs> but there are the now there are two very specific angles. Now there's the Barbie doll route, and the, and then there's the Bulgarian idol route. It used to be just the one, but now there are multiple. Well, now there's at least two, two very clear ones. If we survive another decade, there'll be three. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's always uh, up in arms, too, whether we uh, actually survive. So Yeah, that's right. So if we're still here and doing this podcast in 2032... <laughs> you know I mean I'll be happy if the planet is still here at this point frankly so sure yeah <laughs> we could be it could be 10 years later and we still aren't allowed to travel so yeah we're stuck doing what else can we do do podcasts yeah we'll just be doing podcasts forever and ever and this is our uh what's this cry Sisyphus. for help I was gonna say <laughs> task so. Yeah, you guys, you, you know, you can, like, go and, like, eat in a restaurant and not worry that maybe you're spreading a disease around. So, like, Yeah, that's true. Count your blessings yeah. where they are, man. I don't know. Aren't things pretty much back to normal in Japan now? That like, does, it seems they be shouldn't be. I mean, Osaka left because the mayor's an idiot, left its emergency lockdown, like, a week early um, at the beginning of the month. Um, and now like, it's this, this, this is probably going up in April so early March when there are about 50 to 60 cases a day at the moment is pushing 400. So that's how that's going. Oh, I'm not 400 a day is not in itself. Does not scare me the speed of which with, with which it got there. Yeah. Is somewhat yeah. more alarming. And also for reference for people who might be coming back and listening to this episode, 20 years in the future, we're talking about COVID in 2021. So, uh, on that cherry cherry note, we're going to be talking about games we've been playing. Tim, you've been doing uh, something fun and whimsical. Nino Kuni. Yeah, 
A game that reminds me of when I had a bad cold and I didn't have to worry that it was something potentially more lethal. <laughs> so yeah, um, that that's that's true, but perhaps requires a little bit of explanation. Nino Kuni, I'm playing the Switch port, which I think this came out a couple of years ago. It also came out on Xbox and PlayStation. They got the remastered version, which probably basically involved newer textures and higher resolutions. The Switch one is, at least from eyeballing it, basically the PS3 version on Switch without really any enhancements, but that's fine. It still looks good. It still runs nicely. And the PS3 version, very charming, very whimsical RPG that I played when it came out almost 10 years ago, and I was very sick when it came out, and it turned out to be, like, the perfect game um, for nursing a really bad cold with, um, for reasons which I have not gotten to yet, but I do know it is going to get very grindy at some point. It's kind of that perfect switch your game off, switch your um, brain off moment mm. but right now it's like just an early like comeback it's like oh man studio ghibli art is really nice this kind of simple kind of semi swashbuckling adventure wonderland is something that i believe 10 ish years ago when this game first came out i thought we need more of and roughly a decade later i still think we need more of that yeah well i remember i remember the hype building up when Nino Kuni was extremely high because yeah it was Studio Ghibli's Ghibli's sort of first video game mm, it's not I think Jade Cahoon is the first game they ever actually had a hand in oh then I don't know that one then um <clears throat> you know it had the art it but, had yeah. them telling the story um and I remember very distinctly there was going to be like a whole like spell book I mean I have that book signed by one of the artists <laughs> and you could cast spells in the game and you would collect various things and you would have yeah uh, a spell book i mean and the book is something like, of a gimmick there is a book in game and then i think the special editions also came with a book i know there's a ds version i don't know if that had more specific but this did turn out into be a fairly run-of-the-mill just very charming um fantasy world jrpg where the main gimmick was probably in the combat where you kind of had almost pokemon like little critters you kind of swapped in and out the difference between this and pokemon where pokemon was like unleash water attack and then water attack happens and it says it is super effective this you're actually kind of moving the critters around there's a bit more going on yeah but a lot of the a lot the key appeal is very much like they captured a lot of that ghibli atmosphere um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, my girlfriend only discovered Ghibli a few months ago. She bought me the um, Miyazaki Complete Collection um, Blu-ray uh, for Christmas because, hey, um, Ghibli's on Netflix in Australia, but not in Japan. <laughs> um, and holy crap, watching her watch some of those movies for the first time ever has been a hell of a thing. I'm still yet to watch anything. I haven't watched oh. much uh, anime at all, to be honest, but... I've never watched a Ghibli movie. Spirited away is well aware of him. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like yeah. I mean, I, I I love that we get a chance to talk about Studio Ghibli. Um, what has your girlfriend seen um, so far? Watch it all together. So, Spirited Away, which is my personal favorite, is the one that probably like made her like really twig on. Mm. Um, now Chicago, like, technically not Ghibli actually, but Miyazaki, pre Ghibli. Quite warm, quite warm on. We, we both agreed that we think Kiki's delivery service is among the weaker end of the scale. That that really feels like it should have been like a series 
of individual stories because the world building is fantastic, but it just doesn't know what to do with itself. Um, the yep. big one was um, Mononoke Hime or Princess Mononoke to use a proper English title. Watching her watch, she, that was one hell of a ride. Watching somebody oh. else watch that movie for the first time. Yeah. What? So, yeah. Why I'm asking because, Huzo, if you ever sort of get a chance to sit down and, like, okay, you, you want to watch a Studio Ghibli, like, do Spirited Away. That's like, the, that's kind of the one everyone. I think that cap- talks about. Yeah, I think that captures the quintessential, like all the various themes and narratives and styles and all of the the highlights of of Studio Ghibli, like the the whimsy, the fantastical nature, um, the storytelling, um, the sort of escapism. All of that is captured. You know, because each movie has has you know touches on various part of it parts of it. I think Spirited Away brings ties a lot of those that themes together. Yeah, and so you get a real like good condensation, I guess, like a good like this is what is the quintessential Studio Ghibli movie. Um, and then based on your tastes, different movies will appeal to different tastes, like different yeah. sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But I think Spirited Away is the is the quintessential one. That sort of draws it all together, um, because some of the later movies—I mean, you know—you've always going to have good or good or weak or stronger or weaker movies, and yeah, some yeah. focus on various themes. Like *Grave of the Fireflies* is just heartbreaking. It's just—I cannot watch that movie like more than I've seen it once. I refuse to watch it again because it just broke me. Fun fact, um, and it is kind of fun, is that was a double feature with *My Neighbor Totoro* when it first came out in cinemas in Japan. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> um, and different cinemas, so, I think, showed the movies like one movie first and then the other. So like, people's moods leaving the cinema were like hugely different. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> depending on the order, you could come out extremely like positive and skipping along, and and or just morose, just deeply, deeply morose. So, um, yeah, there is. But you know, to, to summarize, I mean. We're getting a bit away from the game here. But yeah, Grave of the Fireflies, the basic summary is this is a story of two kids starving to death over the course of World War II. Um, wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, as in, that sounds it, like a fun family flick for all. Oh, yeah. They, they literally do not survive. <laughs> um, like, it's, it's, just, it's just like spoilers. And that's not but, a spoiler because like, it reveals that in the opening moments and then kind of rewinds. Yeah. Um, uh. I mean, Nino Kuni is a bit more upbeat than that. Like, it actually opens more or less with this young boy, Oliver's mother, dying from a weak heart after he kind of gets washed away in a river, like trying to save him. But the whole mission, and I believe it succeeds from Lamry from a long time ago, is um, there are two worlds. Nino Kuni literally kind of, it's such a weird phrasing, but it basically means the, the other world. So, like, the second world or whatever. And the premise is like, there's like kind of a shadow, like, the people exist in both worlds and they have equivalents and so your quest is to kind of try and save the princess or whatever that your mother is apparently a shadow of and by doing that you may actually bring your mother back okay in the real yep. world so it's actually it's a very intimate core to what becomes an increasingly epic adventure I believe you end up flying around in a dragon from memory but oh, best uh, I, way to save one's parent is by flying on a dragon sure but I think I mean, I, the reason I have the Switch version is that my sister sent me her copy as a Christmas present, and I sent her my copy of Animal... Not, uh, yes, Animal Crossing, that I wasn't playing anymore. 
as opposed to the enhanced ones. And I do think the switch is kind of perfect for this because, as I mentioned before, it does get grindy. Yeah. Which is perfect, one, if you're sick because you just need something to switch off and just kind of kill time with because you feel like crap. But yep. two, this, this means, like, if you just need to, like, you know, deal with those battles, a 30-minute train ride is probably the best way to handle. So this this yeah, yeah. seems like it may actually be a better game on a Switch just because it's going to break down the monotony a little bit and, like, gives very specific purpose, purpose of the handheld mm. for some parts. And then when you kind of want those big sweeping moments, plug it into the TV if you're able. Yeah. Well... Talking about big sweeping moments, Tennis World Tour 2. Big sweeping segways. <laughs> I told you, like, expect the hardest of segways. I'm just not. The hardest of segways. Yeah. So, Tennis World Tour 2. Uh, I, get, I get an email uh, from the PR guys and they say, hey, Matt, we've got this game, Tennis World Tour 2. Would you mind taking a look at it? And here I am thinking, okay, Tennis World Tour 1 wasn't great. It had promise, but it wasn't great. Um, real, real bad launch with lots of um, issues. Uh, but Big Ant have have jumped on the Aussie devs for this one, and they made the AO the Australian Open Tennis Two game N One, which is uh, they're quite good tennis games if very simulation focused. Uh, so they're a bit harder to get into, but they are good. Um, so yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. Uh, it didn't. It it launched last year on older systems but this was the new update for the series x um and i fucking should have said no (laughs) (laughs) i was hoping that you know there was any problems would have been ironed out because this is the kind of you know six months down the track edition uh they haven't this is the worst game of tennis i have ever played um and uh, I, I don't know that I've played a worse game since WWE 2K20 or whatever the last one of those oh, was. Oh, fair. That was that only was a year ago. Like, it's not that much. Yeah, no, that was 2019 they did that one, yeah, and they, they cancelled last year's wrestling um, game because it was that bad. So this okay, this okay. one is right up there with that because, uh, look, I can handle the really bad graphics um, the shitty animations, the monotonous commentary. I can handle all that to some extent, but if you can't get the basics of hitting a ball right in a tennis game, then there's issues. And you just, like, the amount of times uh, my wife actually made me put close the door because I was swearing at it so much. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm right fucking there. I hit the button. Why didn't you hit the fucking ball? And I'll get the shits. I played it for about an hour and a half on Sunday and then I immediately regretted saying yes to review this thing. And I think the PR guys would have probably been better had I not reviewed it because it's not going to be pretty when I'm done. I, it's just broken. It's just so – like how do you make a tennis game where you can't hit the fucking ball? I just, oh, it is just devastating. It, it, it hurts me so They should have just released Pong is what you're saying. They just should have yeah. put a skin on Pong yes, and said tennis game. Yeah. Well, look, I was about to ask you because you do like you you do like a tennis game. User. I do like them, yeah. But there hasn't been a good one since like Topspin. Yeah, there has been. Just go to a thrift store, buy a Dreamcast and a copy of Virtual Tennis and you're set. Yeah, Virtual Tennis 4 I've got on the PC, which is still quite good. Um, oh, like, really? 
Yeah. Wait, hold on. I Virtual don't think Virtual Tennis, aside from not knowing who the players are anymore, could age poorly. Like, it was very straightforward. No. Hey, this fucking works. Go. It works. It's fun. It's arcadey. You know, it had a kind of cool little career mode to it. This And look, I'll give credit where credit due. The World, the World Tennis Tour career mode seems quite interesting in that you've got uh, a fortnightly schedule that you have to work out your training and your uh, your media commitments, and if you want to take part in charity events, which will give you more fans, or if you want to oh. do some training, and so like career management side of things, it's pretty solid, and the upgrade paths. Uh, of your tennis player also seems quite solid. You've got three key areas that you can focus in, agility, defense, or attack, uh, and your different skills get leveled up based on where you kind of put your your experience or your, your training into. Um, so, so there is the core of, you know, a game that could hold my interest there if the very central part of a game of tennis wasn't so broken. <laughs> like it aiming is impossible um when you're playing the ai it's they either drill everything down the line perfectly and you can't hit it back mm. or they hit it out there's no in between like yeah. it's it's just ridiculous um so i mean like i guess where, where what i'm curious is about like outside of the game is that you know, when when devs make a game which is problematic, they mm. know. Like, they yeah. know, right? And the PR fellas, they know. Like, Yeah. I, I have a feeling there's a there's more of a story behind this one simply because uh, it's published by Nancon, who just purchased Big Ant. Mm. I have a feeling this was developed by the mob that developed the last World Tour tennis game, and they got booted halfway through, and Big Ant have kind of come in and Tried picked to up the scraps. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's what it feels like to me because Big Ant are better than that. Like they they're not like they don't have a lot of money, and their graphics always kind of suffer because of it. But they tend to get the gameplay of things pretty good. Like their cricket games, uh, like if you like cricket, obviously that's a big if. Yeah, but they do if. they do cricket really well they put a lot of detail in they do simulation of the game really well and the same with their ao tennis games were they were quite deep you know they were mm. really aimed at that that deep uh, hardcore tennis fan that wanted a deep experience not an arcade not virtual tennis or mario tennis you know um so i i really think that like they've just picked up the scraps of a booted developer and tried to put it together mm. and now kind of gone all right we just need to get it out the door to try and make up some some lost money on it um because they've obviously paid for licensing and stuff they've got all the the they've got uh federer they've got nadal they've got you know ash Barty, they've got big tennis players in there they've also got big sports brands so there's obviously licensing deals they've had to buy into to to use these people um so yeah it, it really does feel like a a rush job that they've kind of just Handed off to Big Ant and said, "Here, just polish it enough to get it out the door, and then we'll we'll um, take our losses from there." Uh, Which is, you know, disappointing. Yeah, that is. It is because I do like a good tennis game, like mm. a good tennis game of all the sports games. Right? I I, I feel like it's the easiest to understand. You hit the ball backwards and forwards. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I think there's there is a level of like the. 
it appeals to the sort of the fighting game enthusiast in me because this is straight up one-on-one against an opponent. It's very clear what you need to do and you're just trying to position and outsmart and outplay yeah. the, the opponent, right? You know, it's, it's, it, it speaks to that that part of my head. It, it's, it's a sport, but it's also a duel um, in my mind. So I do I mean, like... I do like a good tennis game. But tennis been games such... have been done right too. Mm. Like tops, the top spin series it's got it right. Good. Yeah. Like they were properly good games and, and virtual tennis for, for it being a simple arcade, more arcade experience. Mm. It is still a highly enjoyable game. Even Mario tennis with its wackiness and craziness is, is fun, but this is just broken. Like it's, it shouldn't, I mean, I'm no developer and I can't tell you how hard it is to program it hitting a ball i can't do that because i don't know but it seems like it has been done really well in the past you should be able to get that bit right Mm. considering it's the the core of the whole game Mm. Mm. yeah i mean yeah it's a core their core fundamentals that we as a consumer would expect in a in a product in a tennis game yeah in a a game that calls itself yeah tennis tennis honestly yeah and then yeah it there really is no redeeming features of this. I, I mean, I'm going to have to push myself to play some more so I can actually review it, which I'm kind of dreading now, but um, at least I'm not going to be disappointed anymore. <laughs> I, but I you you I, can't be any further disappointed. No, I, 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 it just can't. The bar can't get any lower. So <laughs> <laughs> It will be very, very funny if it does. Yeah, <laughs> if something else breaks. Oh, it, it crashed on me twice too. So, I think it. I think it got uh, upset because I was swearing at it so much. <laughs> Just said, "No, nah, I'm not taking the shit anymore," and turned itself off. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, f- so, if you're done, uh, I yeah, I'm I'll, done. So, yeah, I'll talk about a quick game that I've been playing. Again, see, hard segue. Hard segue. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Warhammer 40k Armageddon. So. I think I've talked about multiple times about my uh, weakness. Yeah, yeah. A Warhammer specifically Warhammer 40k. Like anytime a game that puts 40k on it, I'm like, ooh, I'll pay attention. And there so, are a lot of them. So they are well plenty. served. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a brand new first-person shooter that's coming out soon uh, for uh, using the Necromunda. Yeah, yeah. It actually looks really good too. That one. Yeah, that looks pr- half decent. And then there's. Um, the the 40k version of Fermentide, um, yeah, Darktide. So that, I'm pretty excited about that. Look, I'm if all oh, I'm honest, it's very rare a week goes by that I don't get an email about a Warhammer product. <laughs> <of some kind>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can, if you if you get them, you can you should send them my way. <laughs> uh, I, I will I will I will give it I will give it a loving a loving a loving home. The loving home, yeah. Yeah, like an abandoned puppy. I'll give it a loving home. Um, <laughs> so, so I've been playing Armageddon, a little bit of Armageddon. Uh, and the reason why I picked it up, um, there was actually a very useful PC gamer list um, that was circling around about four or five months ago, listing the top 25 like Warhammer 40k games is just anything that has a 40k <laughs> a, 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 a title or genre. Yep. Or, yeah, as long as it has 40k in its title, they were listing the Space out Space Marine number one. 
Space Marine was surprisingly normal. That's pretty high up there. Space Marine was very high. Surprisingly good game. It was a great game. It was properly solid. But Armageddon was one that actually was near the top of the pile. And I've always been sort of eyeing this game for a while because it goes on sale like all the time. And it's essentially, if you like old school, like old school strategic turn-based war games, this is like the thing for you if you're a fan of like Panzer General um, or Panzer Corps, one of those types of games. This is that. Oh, it's just the thing is super getting me just looking at it because I have not paid attention to every Warhammer 40k game. Like you said, like top 25 Warhammer 40k games alone is insane that that many exist. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. It's from 2014, so it's pretty old. But I'm looking at the screenshots, and I would have believed that this was like a remaster of a game that came out in the late 90s. Yeah, it's very 1990s. It looks straight up 1994, right? Like, it, if you if you're a, fran, a fan of like like Panzer General, those type of games where everything's hex, um, hexagons, and um, and fate, you know, you've got very very poor facsimile of buildings because you know terrain. Yeah. You've got terrain terrain hexagons and you've got units that are not in scale so you look you look like you've got three humans but it's actually like a, representing a squad of, of soldiers or whatever it is so I, I do like that particular genre of game i'm not great at it but i do enjoy it and armageddon you know just throw on the 40k skin on top of it just makes it much more appealing and um the 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 the, the the reviews of it are pretty positive, just generally positive, not not extremely positive. But like I said, PC it's Gamer solid. had that. Yeah, it's solid. But PC Gamer had that best best uh, best Warhammer 40k games. Um, actually, it's more than just more than just 25 games. Oh God! It's 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 seriously long. Um, <laughs> oh wait, no, there are 39. That is too entries. many. That is straight up. I, I just found the list. There are 39 entries. That is too Look, many 40k games. Some some IP are criticised for not letting others do things with their IP. Warhammer is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, Warhammer is definitely not one of them. Like, you can do whatever you want. Honestly, it's just some bloke down the pub said, hey, I could make a Warhammer game. You've got the license. Go for it, buddy. Here's the thing, though. Like, yeah. I remember, like, a brief period in high school where I got into Warhammer and bounced off a couple of years later. And that was when Shadow of the Horned Rat was coming out. It's a big ass deal that a Warhammer game was coming out. Yeah. Like these have all yeah. happened since the late nineties. This is not like a huge yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just the open first the one I can games. remember is is Dawn of War, the RTS. Yep, Dawn of War is number one. Yeah, that, that's fair. And Dawn of War Two is number six. I mean, according to this puzzle, I would have put Dawn of War Two higher than one. That's my personal preference. And that was the ba- the one where you didn't build a base, did you? You had like a mobile command center. Yeah, I think I like that one better too. It was more like Company of Heroes, Relics, other series. Yeah, num- num- yeah. yeah, Dawn of War 2 was more like you had a squad and you could upgrade them and you get yeah. weapons and it's kind of almost like action RPG-ish. Yeah. And the less said about Dawn of War 3, the better. <laughs> I didn't hate <laughs> it, but yeah, it was very bleh, average. Yeah. But in any case, out of the thirty-nine, out of the thirty-nine um, Warhammer forty k games, this one was ranked somewhere near the top, and I thought I'd give it a try. And it's actually been pretty good so far. Uh, 
if you're a fan of Panzer Corps, Panzer General, that type of old school like Warhammer, the strategies like hex, hex hexagons. If you if you like that hexagons and you like your randomized two hit numbers and dice rolls and that sort of thing, this is this is yeah, this is the thing for you. Um, I think we'll take a break at this point, and when we come back, we'll talk about games that redeem themselves. Unlike it tennis, won't be world tennis. It won't be tennis. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, the inspiration for today's topic really was about the time that I spent playing the open beta of Magic Legends a few days ago. Um, there's a Let's Play Player to Plays video coming up soon that Huzo put together, so you'll get a sense of what uh, it's this up game. Now. Is it up already? Okay, yep, brilliant. Up today. So yep. remember to check, check out Player 2's YouTube channel where you can find excellent content uh, coming in every day. Um, and I downloaded the open beta with, with the intention of also doing a play two plays and I was actually quite pleased when 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 Huzo within the uh, internal chat said, No, I've done it already and I'm like, Thank goodness because I don't have to play this anymore. <laughs> and that's that's sort of inspired what today's um topic is about, which is games that sort of present themselves either in beta or early access or a demo and they don't present themselves particularly well but over the period of time between beta early access and final release they manage to find their groove they manage to find their um yeah find their groove find their tempo find their beat and really redeem themselves and turn themselves around into something that's well worth um anybody's time i think you know but there's there's always the 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 common examples of final fantasy 14 um that's you know that's a that's a whole story in and of itself but uh i thought we could spend a bit of time talking about magic legends a little bit and then we'll talk about some of the other games so before i go into sort of my immediately negative perspective like <laughs> Huzo, you you've played this more than I have, and you stuck with it. Um, yeah, I stuck with it. Um, it was it was funny because I was watching because it's a shared world game, um, ARPG Diablo esque type thing, but it, it kind of I think it leans more into MMO territory, especially with the way things work um, and and the way the combat feels and stuff like that. It feels more like an MMO than a, than a Diablo knockoff. Mm. Um, 
and there's a world shared world chat and i noticed in the chat that a lot of people were complaining about like it being really laggy and and it, it being um like everything seemed to be like popping in and out uh, textures wise and and uh, lo- super low quality textures and things and I, I didn't really come across that and i'm just putting that down to i do have quite the beastie computer and mm. um that could be it. I mean, I've I've got a 2080 Super, so, you know, that solves a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> it, when in doubt, throw raw power at it, and it, you'll be surprised at the results. Um, so that could be uh, where that differential comes from. I, I found it reasonably smooth. I certainly found the combat to feel like an MMO in that uh, spells had timers, and, you know, you'd hit the spell button. It wouldn't be like that instant satisfaction it was in Diablo to be more like uh, that kind of semi, I guess, lag feeling that, that MMOs present when you when you do spells and, and mm. special abilities and things. Um, so it's, it wasn't amazing. Um, I feel like there's some cool ideas in there that if it's polished up nicely could be quite cool. I do like the how they've in, integrated magic score you know roots in the car in the in the cards into the game yeah. in that spells you never know what spells you're going to have because you've got a deck of cards essentially and you'll have three spells to you, you unlock a third spell to you mightn't have got to that bit um so you can have three spells at once and they're just randomly pulled from your deck of cards yeah. so you don't know which spell you're going to get um, so you've got to think on the, on the fly a bit, use use um, what you've got in your hand. So that's a cool little twist that I, I really quite enjoyed in the game. But, yeah, it, it, there's no doubt it needs uh, it needs more. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a core that, that I think could be done with something, they could do something with, but it's certainly not there yet. Yeah, so, like, when I said, you know, I didn't have any issues in terms of technical issues like it didn't hang for me it didn't lag particularly bad you know it didn't lag but I guess like when you load the game up so if we use Diablo as the the benchmark for action RPGs and there are a lot of games that sort of come close to it you know Torchlight's a pretty yeah, solid, solid action RPG game. A lot of the Ultimate Marvel Ultimate Alliances are pretty solid action RPG games, right? Um, when when Magic Legends opened, I'm I used to be a big Magic player, so I'm used to a particular art style. I think Magic, the the card game, actually has really good art on its cards. Yeah. So I expect some level of translation into the game itself. But when you pick your characters, the the player characters all look a little odd. Like their mm. proportions were just a little bit off. They don't look super svelte. They look a little bit chunky. And it's like, hmm, this is not this is this is a weird look. But you know what? I'll I'll live with this. I'll 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 live with this for a little while. And then the game starts off with really, really bad voice acting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like there is really, bad. really bad voice acting. I feel gen- like it's placeholder voice acting and, too. And th- and that's kind of my point. Like yeah. this demo, like it's an open beta right but you're not putting your f- best foot forward if your yeah. models are not as polished as it can be then it's like oh that's your first impression and then the voice acting comes in and it was really bad <laughs> and then and then after that the combat happens and the combat generally is is um is okay 
you know, mm. it's action RPG-esque. And I know that they are trying this idea with magic. So you have a card and your hand is always randomized. So you're drawing different cards at different times. But what you often, what you then end up with in a situation is you have, you know, on the keyboard, button one, button two, button three, your three numbers on top of it are mapped against the cards. Yeah. But as you cast each spell, you, you know, quote-unquote draw a new card so what goes into the one slot could be different again so Mm. every time you're playing every time you press the button one it's something else so it leads itself to like you want i mean there's one on one way you can say it's like on the fly thinking you want to pay attention but on the screen where the icon is so small yeah it leads to this like there's no predictability in your button presses yeah yeah i played on a controller so because and it actually handled really well on a controller, which makes me think they're planning a console version. Possibly. Um, just because, because my wrist isn't great at the moment, so the controller's the best way for me. Yeah. Um, and it, I didn't find it too bad on the controller because it was kind of the way it was positioned on the screen immediately indicated which uh, button it was, if it was going to be Y, X, or B. Mm. Um, so it kind of worked better, I think, than using a, a 1, 2, 3. Um, there's also a big problem, I think, with it in that each each character that you pick from got usually got a heap of minions that you can call. I was the Beastmaster class, and I had like four or five minions with me, and you throw that in with a whole bunch of other people playing at the same time, and then the enemies. It means the screen gets really fucking busy, yeah. like super busy on screen, and and makes it hard to tell where where you the action's at. Yeah, and that's the other problem I then had with it. Like the color palette didn't make it di- didn't make it easy to tell things apart. You got lost in the swarm of things on the screen. It was hard to tell what was a minion and what was an enemy. Like it got yeah. very very busy. And I think this is where a game like Diablo, like the the this like Diablo three, you can have a fairly crowded screen, but you can still pick out where you are. I think I think Diablo. It copped a lot of shtick for going that more cartoony, uh, almost cartoony-esque into Diablo mm. 3 com- when you compared it to 2 in the style. But I think it was a very smart decision. And that's why Torchlight works too, because yeah. it's even, a very distinct art style that separates everything. Yeah, but I was going to say it's more of like like even a game like Path of Exile, um, mm. like in that same genre where it's like super hardcore, old-school Diablo 2-esque. Like when you're playing it, you your main play you don't get lost in the swarm it's very no. difficult to get lost. so so it's it's about visibility it's about you know making sure that your silhouettes are clear and i thought that and that, that's why i meant like this demo in the end this open beta no it's not a demo it's an open beta sort of left me more cold than yep. anticipated like when a game comes out whether it's an open beta or a demo you want to put it put out your best foot forward you want to put out something that will entice people yeah, you yeah. Be like, oh, this is what this is our vision of what this game will be. Like, yes, it's an open beta, so there'll be rough spots, but this is our vision. Come and give it a shot, and this is what we think is is an indicative experience. And the big, um, biggest problem these days is too that with open betas, ninety nine percent of the time these days they're just a network test. Mm. Like the game's yeah. done. They got an yeah. open beta out. They're just testing the network. That's all they're doing. Correct. Um, yeah. 
or maybe you know if it's call of duty or something they might test the balancing of some of the weapons they get data for that sort of thing but there's no there's no major changes yeah. Yeah. gonna happen where so when when a game comes out in open beta and it's actually a legitimate beta test yeah it seems seems super rough and i don't know whether this is case a or case b i guess we won't know until the full game comes out but yeah i mean if it's case b then that bounces really hard because you know so many open betas these days are super polished yeah and i think like some of the recent um reactions to Baldur's gate 3 had, had a bit of that as well where everybody was like well the game is highly anticipated. People mm-hmm. want Baldur's Gate, and three came out. Well, not th- not three didn't come out, but they had a. It's in early access. Early access, and yep. it it was not. It didn't set the world on fire. Yeah, yeah. Which, on one hand, is like early access, we cut it some slack, but it's like. Mm. And that's really funny too, because the people that are making that made Divinity, and if yep. if I was going to pick a studio to make a new Baldur's Gate. It would be them because Divinity is that good, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 kind of odd that they put it. They've never done a, a early access before. Um, I don't know that they will again, to be honest. Yeah. After uh, yeah, I think yeah. they should just trust themselves. And sometimes early access. Sometimes early access is really good. Like Hades, for example, uh, has used early access really really well. Um, Dead Cells used early access really mm. really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then sometimes the early access game comes out and it it just it just creates this negative feeling around the game and then when it finally does come out and it could be a vastly superior game to what people were bagging but they won't give it a chance because all the reviews on Steam all the reviews on online all say it's shit from the early access and yep. uh, to be to be fair if you were going to charge people money for something then you it, ha- it you work. have to accept yeah. that they are allowed to have their opinion based on the thing that they paid for. Yep. And you know, the internet isn't exactly a reasonable place to begin with too. So, you know, um, it's not like cool heads win out when it comes to selling video games. No, so loud, loud caps locks went out. Yep. 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 And uh, you do see that, I think a bit, I think early access is a real risk um, and you should be really confident if you're going to like, you should be really confident in what you're releasing into early access if you're going to do it. Because like you said, Ken, with magic, you know, you're a magic, you should be the target audience for this game um, and you've just been left feeling cold. On yeah. It. And that's one of the, you know, one of the worst things about game reactions is that it's not bad in that it's not technically like bad. It's not tennis it's world not, tour. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> yeah, full of bugs and doesn't, doesn't fundamentally work. It fundamentally works, Yeah, but it's not good. Yeah. So the, so the feeling that people that I got walking away from it was just tepid. It was just, it's fine if I didn't have, and I, probably would give it some time if I didn't have a heap of other really good things to, to, to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're so spoiled for choice now. It's And it's such a, a real shame. And and this is where I'm 
thinking a game like this could turn it around because mm. it's 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 early enough so if the voice acting is placeholder voice acting then good so yeah in better voice acting because that was atrocious it was oh my god and the lines the writing was just so so yeah was, yeah the writing was so hang yeah it, it was like um my first D D session writing yeah. like like it was the dungeon master's first time at writing a story yeah yeah <laughs> oh no like legitimate legitimately the tutorial starts with oh no you attacked me who are you i will yeah, come yeah. chase you oh, that has to be yeah. placeholder and you, you've got to think it is it's like, just it's it wasn't good it wasn't good i'm like it wasn't good it was very like self-serious and and everything it's like oh guys this is this needs this needs a switch but you know there are games that do redeem themselves like you know no man's sky and final fantasy 14 are two things that we constantly point to as as where developers take and especially in the case of final fantasy 14 a real like break it down to its fundamental parts and just start from the ground up again yeah rebuild approach. Yep. like rebuild everything like that is that takes guts that takes a lot of guts and commitment and it also it also takes i guess the kind of money that only a studio like square has you know and and that faith that they know final fantasy i mean let's face it they did Final Fantasy 13 three times and they all sold a shitload. Mm. Like they can they can put turkeys out there and they will sell. So that they're not not worried about I guess income. Um, uh, they probably are yeah. a bit, but <laughs> they, they are they are like don't get me wrong, but it's not like um, the the studio is going to fail if if this one game fails, sort of thing. Mm. But I think what's <clears> more incredible there is not because I expect there are probably quite a lot of games that came out. And we're not that great. And then half a year later, we're patched to be actually pretty good. And but everybody moved on. Yeah. And as such, I cannot think of any examples because everybody moved on. Yeah, yeah. Kind of incredible and thing there is getting lot. people to like stick with it or to come back and look again. I think that's where uh, developers can use smart DLC injections and things like that to to get people. You know, uh, it might be worth them doing a little free level or, you know, a, a free section of the game to get people to come back to it. And uh, I, I, I did it recently with Agents of Mayhem. And, you know, that game was a bit broken when it came out and it was a, a, a simple sort I of... I swear I saw that on sale on the PlayStation Network for like $3 just before <laughs> before I saw it. And, yeah, uh, it's actually... I played it the other day because it it came with a couple of free characters, and I've always liked Saints Row, so you know this this is fun because it's this alt universe Saints Row thing happening, and there was a few free characters came out, so I jumped back in and I actually found myself having a pretty good time with it. Um, it's it's not like a world beating game, but it's that comfortable B tier shoot 'em up. It's certainly it's like Crackdown the original crackdown in when it was crackdown was good. Um, that sort of, you know, jump around, have a bit of fun in a crazy open world with, with jokes and, and, and silly humor. And the, the series X has done it wonders because there's no load, load times. There's the pop-ins textures are all gone. And, and I, I think, 
you know, there's potential there if they were to do a Series X version and put it on Game Pass, for example, mm-hmm. that they could generate interest. And and they've got these Game Pass or they've got Humble Bundles and they've got all these ways now that they can generate a bit of interest in their old games and it may not give them instant money, uh, you know, sales, but it, it keeps the brand alive to the mm-hmm. point where they may be able to do something with it. Yeah, it depends Thoughts. on how much value they have in that specific yeah. brand. Um, I mean, I feel I feel like with Agents of Mayhem, Foalition are just going to go. Yeah, that was a fun little side project. Here comes Saints Row Five. Think Saint, the, the things I yeah. think the main should not damage Saints Row at all. If anything, people are now like, "Where's my motherfucking Saints Row?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, or Red Faction, whatever they do next. But yeah, yeah. Um. Tim, do you have any any games that come to mind where that are saved or or, or or find themselves saved post-demo or... Kind of a difficult one for me because I don't tend to play online-focused or things that you're supposed to come back to month after month after month. I tend mm. to pick a single-player, or at least primar- primarily single-player thing, and, like, play it, enjoy it, and then move on. Hmm. Um, what I am thinking at the moment, though, is because I've, you know, we were discussing before the show, like, what have you been playing? And it's like I started up Nino Kuni, and I've also still been playing a crap ton of Death Stranding. Now, and so Death Stranding is not a game that went and, like, got better. But the more yep. I play it, the more I think, dear God, I'm so grateful I did not have to review this. Just because of mm-hmm. the nature of its design, it needs yep. players to be good. And that's super weird for a single player game, but. Further, and this is going to sound super boring, but it, and it, I guess for a lot of people it probably still is. But like the more, like I'm like 60 hours on this now. What the hell is wrong with me? But it's kind of like turning into appreciating the importance of infrastructure, the game. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that like makes it it's just like everybody's kind of working together. So I like spent way too much time like trying to rebuild this roads network and setting up effectively a bunch of zip lines. Knowing that I'm like building off stuff that other people have already built, and also knowing that by like setting up these routes so that you can get around more convenient in the future, I'm also helping out potentially hundreds of other, of other players, people. yeah. And that gives it a much more meaningful context. And also, unlike if you are saying rushing through for review, there are other people who are also doing. But there's maybe somebody running around like making a bunch of recharging stations so your battery doesn't ever go flat or whatever. And so you put all that stuff together, and you have what is a way better game. Than what could mm. possibly ha- it could possibly have been during the review period. Yeah, I think that's it's almost similar with. Uh, I mean, we're lucky that Monster Hunter generally is a quality title. But I know Paul. He wrote our review on the website. He said, he said to me, he said, "It's good now. I can't wait to be able to play with others because it'll be better um, with the new Monster Hunter game." And I think. With reviews in, in, in general, we, we especially with multiplayer components, because there's that rush to get it out for embargo, uh, they can be do the game a bit of a disservice. Uh, Death Stranding would certainly be one of them, because none of that shared world stuff would have happened. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the game that did take off, though. You've got the other end of the coin, though. <laughs> back, back yeah, yeah, you do. Like a magazine was like, hey, this is a pretty fun little online shooter thing. I mean, and by the time the review's printed, there's nobody playing it anymore. Mm. Yeah, well, it's all instant gratification now, so we don't have to worry about the magazine lead time. Yeah, I think a game like um, just to pull it back back into the online space, like a Rainbow Six Siege, has done yeah, a lot. 
It's been a master success. It 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 came out and it was just it almost seemed like it was going to be dead in the water when yep. it first came out. Um, and since then, um, it's, it's turned into a properly competitive scene. Yeah, like a real leader in esports, mm. which is which is quite interesting. You know, I. I you know, I don't, I didn't, I never followed it closely, so I'm not sure what exactly they did. I know they've done a lot in terms of opening the game up, offering characters, making it easy for players to jump into without feeling that. So one of my biggest gripes with this game at the start was that you paid full price for the game. Yeah. And then after that, when you go in, like half of the characters are locked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you then have to unlock with either in-game currency or, or paid currency, I think it was, which is like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and Ubi Ubisoft in general are pretty good at supporting games and improving them post-launch. Yeah. Like, they, seem, they seem to be like, they do cop a lot of deserved stick, but they also take it on board. Mm. Um and they they genuinely try to improve these games and not just dump them and move on to the next thing. Like the division, the original division and division two is still getting support now, you know? Yep. So that they, the division launched in a bit of a rough spot. Um, yes, but that, that is true. Yeah. And they put a lot of effort into that game to make it quite the good game. Um, I, uh, I spent a lot of time in the first division. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they did, they did with Division Two as well, from what I can tell. Like they've, they've followed a similar route. They've improved it consistently as time's gone past. And I think, once again, I think that's that's the luxury of being a major publisher as opposed to mm. a smaller developer. You know, you, you do have that luxury that you can keep supporting a game if it hasn't. Well, you can play hasn't the, set the world on fire. You can play the game of I want this to be a brand as a long term strategy. Yeah, yeah, you, you could, yeah. It, I mean, if you want to you go know to the hard. extreme, extreme of this, and it's not really a redemption story, but, like, we kind of forget that Fortnite wasn't originally a battle royale. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't think if... I don't know if anybody still remember that Fortnite was meant to be, yeah, like a survival... Like a tower defense game. Tower defense survival yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, it saved like, the world. It's still there. It's still there, yeah, it is. But I just wonder if, like, people who get into Fortnite now are just confused oh, they have as to no, why they have no, no idea about that no idea <laughs> but the fact that you can build you can build walls and stairs like yeah. that are <laughs> you know I don't that could but, be a part of the game so I don't actually play Fortnite so I don't know how hmm. creative people have gotten with some of that stuff oh they do they get very creative with it I watch my kids play and they they can build towers in seconds it's unbelievable I can't I can't think that quickly to to build a tower and then you know as a protection from an incoming rocket sort of thing they'll they'll throw up walls and you know things like that so it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what people do in Fortnite I bag it a lot and a lot of people do in in our industry I guess because it's an easy target in a lot of ways but they do they, Epic have done great with that game and I, I did a press thing the other day for it um, they asked me to jump in and I said look I've got no real experience with Fortnite but Sure, I'll jump in. I, I had the time, and and it was impressive. Like what they're doing now, each season they're, they they change a lot, yet at the same time keep the core the same. So players have constantly got this drip feed of new things to play with, new 
new toys to try, new crafting to do, and all that sort of stuff. And they and Epic, I guess they they've got the um the the ratio right with the the drip feed of all this new stuff because I don't it's it it's not quite where it was maybe eighteen months ago, but it's still right up there for the game highest played game on the planet. You know, yeah, it, it, it's insane. Yeah. And, you know, when we were talking about Ubisoft and their sort of commitment to build a brand and maintain that momentum, you know, what's a game that didn't survive that? PUBG. Anthem. Oh, Anthem. PUBG. <laughs> <laughs> I went PUBG. <laughs> but, yeah. And PUBG's oh. probably still doing fine. It's just not the biggest thing in the world anymore. Yeah. Well, because PUBG is technically... The original. Yeah, I know, but it's not in... Like, the PUBG now, is it an actual release? Or yeah. is it just, like, version 0.9? Yeah. <laughs> I one think thing it's I a release. Okay. Because yeah. I know they sold it on Xboxes. And, yeah, it's on Game Pass like as well, so... But I never thought, got the sense that it was a full, complete product when it got sold. Hmm. I, I don't think it originally was, but I think they are at 1.0 now. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, but uh, Anthem. Anthem was a Anthem. game that did not... Which is a real shame because I do have a soft spot for that game. Um, I, uh, I I think Anthem died so Dragon Age and Mass Effect can be good again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> EA had their experiment with the shared world shit and went, oh, it didn't work. Let's just go back. Let Bioware go back to doing what they did in the past. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Anthem had to die so we could get good Mass Effect and Dragon Age games. So, yeah, so that's a story of a developer hopefully redeeming themselves rather than the game itself. The game itself, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, a Ma- I think, a Mass Effect game with, with stealing that flying and combat from Anthem? That'd be super cool. Like, the, that, that was the best part of Anthem, was the flying and, and was the, the... Was the power suit, yeah. Yeah, like the being power Iron suit. Man. That being Iron Man, really. If they can put that into Mass Effect somehow, amen. That'd be great. <laughs> Doing that instead of driving any of those vehicles? Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Instead of a Mako, you you just Jetpack heading around. out in your power suit. Jetpack. Yeah. That'd be rad. All right. EA is going to send you a check sometime soon in the mail. Thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll settle for a credit and a spruik of player two EA. That's all you need to give me. To. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, we might just wrap it up here. Um Thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Um, Huzo, where can people find you on the internet? What do you have to sort of uh, spruik and yeah, everything. Promote yourself. Everything. Huzo81 on Twitter. Uh, Player2AU is, of course, our, our Twitter account for Player2. Uh, we're still selling tickets to Mortal Kombat if you're in oh, the Canberra nice. region. So come and join us and raise some money for the Terry Campisi Foundation. Uh, we've, the sleep bus that we funded, we're funding is now a real thing. It's in, in Queanbeyan now, and it's a bus, for those that don't know, it's been purpose-built for emergency housing. It has 14 beds in it um, and plus That's two a- beds for, for caretakers. Uh, each bed has a TV and air conditioning and toilet and, um, you know, it's basically the, uh, the idea behind it is that you can never get ahead if you haven't had a good night's sleep. Um, so, you know, it's, it's emergency housing. It's not solving a problem, but it's giving people a chance to kind of reset, um, 
be comfortable, be safe, and uh, you know, and then maybe plan ahead after that. So that's that's a real thing now. It's happening. It's working. It's um, in, in Queanbeyan, and it moves between the country towns in the area depending on the need. And yeah, so we're really proud to have helped with that player too. That's some, that's some amazing stuff that um, yeah. that that I think could work to the Terry Campisi Foundation. Yeah, well, player two's and player two's contribution. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes, it's a it's a good thing to be part of. Yep. Uh, Tim, yo, follow up with follow up from that one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I still feel like last time we closed off this, I said it's going to have a review up in the site, but um. I mean, Matt got oh, sent yeah. his tennis game, but boy, Square did not want anybody seeing Balan Wonderworld. So <laughs> <laughs> that thing's not going to be up on the website in the foreseeable future, at least as we stand right no. now. No, no, I can't see it happening. No. Where, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at pretendbeard on Twitter. Yeah, nice. And you can find me at Pixel Hunt on Twitter. Um, I still don't have anything new on the site yet. Um. Because I, I, I stole keep, your magic video. <laughs> well, no, but I did say I keep saying every episode at the end of every episode. Oh, I need to do more videos, but and then and then Paul puts up a call and saying I need people to do videos, and then I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I have legitimate reason. <laughs>